to have and to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish till death do us part. We make these promises on our wedding day, but it's not until we are actually faced with trials that we experience the depth of our character in the trenches. When life gets hard, are you going to fight for it? Are you going to selflessly support your spouse? Are you going to show up every single day, even when it would be so much easier to give up? When we are faced with a trial, how do we navigate the trial while also keeping the marriage strong? How do you nurture the relationship so that when the storm passes, you're still standing strong versus left in shambles? I'm here with my incredible husband of 11 years, Brian Hessler. We are so excited to share our experience with chronic illness and navigating trials in marriage. And we have your questions here in front of us that we are going to answer. And we also thought of our favorite tools or pieces of advice that we can offer that really helped us. But before we get into all of that, let's back up and explain what the circumstances were when we met and when we started dating. So we knew of each other growing up, but we never met until after college when I bet my debit card. My clumsiness finally paid off. I bet my debit card and he worked at a bank and I needed a new one. So I walked in and we met. And at that time, I was coming out of three years of housebound illness. So Brian was able to see chronic illness. You witnessed chronic illness, but I still had amazing days where right. I was quote normal. Do you remember? Yeah. I remember you having moments where I was trying to plan dates. I remember once I wanted to take you up to the Grand Canyon and it snowed. And that was when you really told me like, I'm different than other <laughs> girls. And I remember thinking like, well, but different in what way? And then you explained what was going on. I, I hadn't really had an experience with it up until that point. And then that's when you started explaining some of the restraints, food restraints, inability to travel, not wanting to be away from your comfort zone. So that was the because first Because right before I met you, I mean, I was coming off of chronic nausea. Like I was in the bathroom every night. The bathroom was like my bedroom. So I had come out of it a little bit after the help of a naturopath. We worked on candida. So it really addressed my gut bacteria and I was coming out of it. I had a job. I had just rented my first apartment. And so I strolled into the bank. I looked quote normal. And then I, I was so smitten and, you know, love at first sight, I just completely forgot to tell him that, hey, I'm just barely coming out of something that I just experienced that was gnarly and it was rough and something that I don't want you to experience. So yeah, totally. And I remember when we first started dating, I would try and push you away. And yeah. I, I just constantly felt like a burden. Like he's the most amazing man that I've ever met. I do not want to rope him into this. So I remember pushing you away and I remember specifically there was a night when I texted you and I said, I'm not feeling good. I don't want to hang out. And you said, just let me come over. Let me just be there with you. I, I can help you. I can take care of you. And you said through sickness or health, right? And I, <laughs> I was at home. He was at his house. So he didn't see this, but I dropped to my knees crying and I was like, this cannot be real. This cannot be real life, but it was real life. We went through that. 
And then when we started talking about marriage, I kind of put on the brakes like, okay, hold up. I know this is, this is great. This is going well. I'm feeling good. I'm having great days, but I, I wanted to know, I, I asked you, can you handle a life of chronic illness? And I remember, you know, you're so positive and you have always believed in me that right away you answered, you're mighty. You'll overcome this. You already overcame it. You are a fighter. You're going to be healthy. We, we don't have to worry about that. And I stopped and I said, no, really think about it. Can you handle taking care of me? Can you handle not going to restaurants because I'm allergic to everything, not traveling places because I can't handle it. What if I can't have kids? Can you handle taking care of me completely, watching me pretty much die and possibly pass away young? So I was so grateful that you did decide to take a couple days. I don't can't remember. It felt like eternity. It was like two or three days. Yeah. To just really think about it. It was a big decision. Can you kind of share what your experience was? For me, at that point in time, we were 22, 23. I was 22. You were 23. (laughs) (laughs) And I was thinking, I'm just a young boy man at this stage. I wasn't really sure what it was going to entail. I knew that we weren't doing a whole lot during the time when we were dating. And I had to go home and really think about if the stories that she's told me of what happened prior to us dating and some of the things that I had seen during our time of you dating, I mean, dystonic reactions to things and you had issues that were hitting pretty hard and I had to go do some soul searching to say, is this something that I want to hitch my entire life to? And It was a selfish thought, but it was also a necessary thought. A human. It was a human thought. Right. I was never one for nightlife and partying and things like that, but I did think about traveling with my wife and having those certain things be something that was pretty common. So, to think about not being able to do that, it was difficult. I had to really go home and feel some of the mourning, I guess, in a way. I was mourning the thought of, I found who I felt was the love of my life, but there was this additional baggage to it. And so, I had to think, am I willing to possibly give up these other things that I had always just kind of assumed is going to be granted in a marriage? And I felt that loss of not being with you for that short period of time and because we didn't really talk during that. Right. Those couple of days, you you really took time. Yeah. I mean, it was a lot of soul searching, talking with my parents and really trying to think about both sides of what would happen there. Of I marry her, go through whatever may come, or I go about my life and make a selfish decision, which I was entitled to at that point in time, make a selfish decision and think about the regret of never knowing. And that's ultimately where I came down to it was it was the in sickness and health, I loved you. And I wasn't going to let it slip through my fingers because of what may come, what ended up coming. And what did you tell me? What was your choice? (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to marry you? Tell tell them your beautiful response when you, do you remember? 
Um, it was like the best chick flick I've ever watched, but it was my life. <laughs> so Brian came to me and he said, I thought about it and it was rough and I was emotional and it was, you Oh, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would rather have you in my life and deal with those things than not have you in my life and mm -hmm. not have to deal with it. You'd rather have me, even if it was sick, than be with anyone else in the world healthy. Yeah. And I think it's important to remember that, you know, there's some people that experience chronic illness after they get married. Right. And a spouse might feel like, well, I didn't sign up for this. Uh, you do, though. I mean, you're not saying those words empty at the altar, you know, that there are going to be struggles. There are going to be things that it's not always coming up roses and rainbows for everybody. Mm -hmm. It's not just magical days all the time, regardless of if it's illness, somebody losing Financial, a job, yeah. whatever, mm -hmm. you know, somebody passing in the family, hard times. I mean, life, life just happens. And when you're choosing that person, you're saying that no matter what, I have no clue what the future holds, but you and I are going to do this together. Mm -hmm. So you, you always have to remember at the core that that's what you said you were going to do. Mm -hmm. And so you do it when life sometimes stands up and punches you in the face. Yeah. So I think the only difference was that we had to face that before we committed to marriage. And most don't really have to face that until they face that trial. Right. From day one, we've had such a deep level of commitment, which I think is so important. Something that Brian and I were just discussing just the other night is how interesting it is in general in society, how interesting it is that our level of commitment to our children can be so different than the commitment that we have for our spouse. With our spouse, there can be that level of, well, I'm going to leave the marriage if it's no longer serving me, if I'm no longer happy or if I'm bored. But we would never say that to our children. I can't imagine telling our daughter you know what? You haven't let me sleep for five years now. You're always yelling at me and you never appreciate all that I do for you. I want out. We would never say that. Why? Because they are our family. Our children are our blood. We look at rough times with them as rough phases that will pass just like, you know, what we label terrible twos or the teenage years. We know that we need to make the most of it during those times. And we continue to show up every single day, even when it's rough and we love through it. So I feel like we've had that deep level of commitment from day one, the we are a family mentality from the very beginning, which has definitely helped. I think it's also important to clarify outside things as well that we weren't dealing with. We had the chronic illness, but we never had toxic characteristics within our relationship of you know, physical or emotional abuse, infidelity, anything else that can put a different stress on a relationship. So when we're talking about sticking it out, you're not getting rid of your kids because of X, Y, or Z. Think of your marriage the same way. We're not saying stick it out if it's in a bad situation that you need to protect yourself from. Mm -hmm. It's more that you're looking to overcome these rough phases and come out on the other side stronger than you were when you went into it. Yeah. If you are in a toxic relationship, definitely address that and, you know, see somebody about that and protect yourself for sure. Before I met Brian, I experienced two other relationships while I was 
chronically ill. The first was a longtime relationship, and he was frequently unfaithful well before the chronic illness came into play. And it was that toxic pattern of, I had to be perfect or else he would stray. So when I couldn't be everything that he wanted me to be because I became housebound ill, that relationship crumbled really quick. And in that lesson, I learned that I wanted a spouse who would show up for me just as much as I showed up for them. And also a spouse who had unwavering love, even when times got tough. And then in the second relationship, chronic illness brought out intense emotional abuse and manipulation. And in that lesson, I learned that I wanted a partner who was slow to anger, especially when times got tough. And then Brian walked into my life and I said, bingo. (laughs) (laughs) If I had to deal with worrying that you were going to cheat or abandon me, if I wasn't perfect, if I had to deal with emotional abuse on top of chronic illness, then it would have been a totally different situation. Toxic relationships can 100% contribute to chronic illness. So please, if you are in this situation, please don't believe the lie of having chronic illness stresses them out so much that it made them cheat or it made them angry and lash out. No, 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 no. They are 100% responsible for their actions. Please don't allow them to make you believe for a second that anything that you did made them do anything. Blaming your circumstances for the cause of their toxic behavior is abuse. And I just wanted to clarify that because I fell deep into that lie in two different relationships. And I want to make sure that you know that you are not a burden and you deserve to be respected and loved unconditionally. Okay, it's question time. These are some questions that you guys sent in. Number one, Brian. So what can the spouse do when there's nothing that they can do? So when you felt helpless to all of this, what would you recommend? Yeah, that's a a really hard spot to be in. I remember sitting there, doctor's offices, getting told you had lupus, getting told you had MS. These things that these specialists were saying that you were going to have for a lifetime. And It is a very difficult place because as a spouse and someone that's supporting your wife or your husband through these types of things, you wish you could take it away. You wish you had the answer for it. And what all I ever tried to do was just make myself available to whatever you needed. If it was you needed to be left alone and have a bad day and just vent on your own let you have it. Never being overbearing, never, never trying to feel like I had the answers because I didn't. And all I could do was just be there and support you in whatever fashion you needed. And it's a, a partnership. So whatever it is that your spouse needs at that point in time, So do you remember, I know that you remember (laughs) when our second baby had really bad colic, she was really colicky. And it turns out, I I think she was withdrawing from the steroids that they put, they put me on really high steroids when I was pregnant. And it was, I don't think a coincidence that after I had her, both of us would crash at the same time. I felt horrible when she was quote colicky. So, you know, middle of the night, the baby's screaming and nothing will console her. And I'm feeling like I'm dying. I'm trying to hold it together. I'm trying to help out, but I feel terrible. So 
there was one night when our daughter was crying and I felt like something was terribly wrong. My heart was palpitating irregularly. I felt extremely nauseous and dizzy and I had overwhelming anxiety, like something bad was going to happen. This wasn't normal. So things like that, like in situations like that, when you can't do anything, you had to stay home with the baby. We also had an older daughter at home. I just drove myself to the hospital, which is not advised. But in those moments when you see me incredibly sick or you saw me incredibly sick and you couldn't do anything, that is hard to witness the person that you love suffering and you can't fix it. You can't take it away. So what did you do to, I don't know, get through that, process that? A lot of prayer. I've prayed a ton for strength for myself to get through it, strength for you to get through it. You have to build some type of support system too. For me, it was my parents, but whoever you have in your life beyond your spouse that understands the fight that both of you are going through, you need to talk to people. You can't just sit in your own issue and let it be something that can start consuming you as well, where it takes you into a dark headspace. So if that's prayer, if you believe in that, if it's talking to a therapist, if it's talking to your mom, talking to your dad, talking to your sister, brother, whatever, you know, some of your friends, whatever it is, find people to hear you as well because you're you're not in it alone. And you can talk to your spouse about it. It's not something that they may be at a point where they can take on anything more. But I think it is important that you find somebody to be your support system, too. Because you're you're always playing so strong and putting on a brave face for your spouse that you need somebody to be able to do that for you at times, too. So for me, a lot of it was my parents that I would turn to and, you know, still find a way to be yourself. If you have hobbies, if you had hobbies prior to these things happening, find a way to still do those hobbies. Find a way to do things that make you you so that you're not, you're not building any type of resentment. You're not feeling like you're losing a a part of yourself in all of this. And also with turning to your parents, his parents have been so supportive from day one and never judged me. Or I know that I've heard different situations where the in-laws are like, I don't want this life for my child and the in-laws having that resentment. So know that Brian's parents were just so, so supportive from day one. And so definitely find somebody who won't judge and won't you know, they can be there for you yeah. without that judgment. Question two, how to help your spouse understand when you don't have the words. So uh, it was, I mean, not even your spouse. How do you explain chronic illness to anybody without actually knowing how it feels? It can be lonely and maddening, but I just kept reminding myself that, you know, that you are my teammate. You're, you're my biggest fan. You're my support. We're not at war here together. We are at war with the trial. So, you know, there were moments where I was overwhelmed because he didn't know exactly what I was going through, but nobody did. And at least he was there to support me. I think that communication is huge because even if you don't have the words, 
you can let them know what you're needing in that moment. So it was this ever flowing dynamic between us of, you know, you were amazing at, do you want to be angry? Do we need to mourn? Do you need me to pump you up? Like, I got all these tools, like I'm here to help you and I don't know what you're going through and I'm not going to pretend that I do know, but how can I be here for you? And that was amazing because, you know, there were in the beginning, there were times where I I remember saying, I just want to be sad. I just want to be angry or, you know, I need you to remind me that that this isn't going to be forever and, and to breathe that fire in me. And, you know, sometimes you would grab my hand and you would just pray with me and, and so it was, it was just really important that we had that open line of communication. And I think it's also important as the support spouse, I guess, because you know, I think we are talking to some people that it's husbands have right. mm-hmm. the chronic illness, the wife's has the chronic illness. So we'll just say support mm-hmm. spouse in general. So as the support, support <laughs> spouse, that's tough to say. <laughs> I think it's very important that you don't expand on the hurt that your spouse is already dealing with Mm -hmm. because they're carrying so much on their own. Right. You, you didn't put pressure on me to make me explain to you what I was going through. Right. And sometimes I didn't need to know. Mm -hmm. I mean, I knew you were dealing with things beyond my comprehension. And it did help when I, when I tried to put you in my shoes somewhat, like I remember there was one time when you asked me, you know, how is your day? How are you feeling? How are and I was overwhelmed with I I can't even do daily tasks. And you you felt so heartbroken that it's not that sounded terrible, but you didn't know how I felt. You didn't know how it, it truly felt. And so I asked you, like, what did you do today? Tell me all the things that you did. Why I woke up and I took a shower and I went to work and it's like, okay, I can't take a shower without thinking of how can I do this within three minutes before I faint? I can't drive to work. I can't go to work in an office setting. So just breaking that down or even to the point of, you know, I can't hold our newborn baby and walk around without worrying that I'm going to faint with her in my arms. Mm. So things like that, like it, it wasn't the victim. It was definitely a place for that conversation. You were asking me to try and explain to you. And so what I kind of did was put him in my shoes, in my own shoes, the best way that I could. And I think that that kind of helped. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't, we didn't expand like, you know, we didn't forever live in that victim mentality. It was just those moments of having those conversations. And I liked to, I personally needed that victor mentality. Like we're going to fight, you know, right now I need to vent and I need to be sad and I need to be angry, but tomorrow's a new day and I'm fighting. Uh, overall, you had to keep that mindset that you're going to win. Mm-hmm. You can't let it break your spirit, break your mind. Don't let it define you. Mm-hmm. You aren't chronic, chronic illness. illness. You, I'm Monique. <laughs> right. You, you're not, I have lupus, I have MS, all the other multitude of things that they talked about that right. you potentially had. That doesn't define you. And mm-hmm. so, you always hung on to that. I'm still my own person. I'm not what they're telling me I am just because I have these symptoms. Right. So I, I think it's really important that you keep that conversation going and that communication open because going through chronic illness, it's just a constant glass case of emotion, you know, like one minute, I don't know what I need in that moment until I'm in that moment. So 
if I needed Brian's support, I would let him know. It was even moments like if we're in the backyard with the kids and I'm, I'm walking around with one of our girls and Brian asked like, how are you doing? I would just look like, I'm great. And he knew that I was feeling so sick inside, but that just meant to him, like, I feel like crap, but I'm having this moment with my child. Like I, I will not let chronic illness win today. I'm having this moment and you were just so great at knowing. Okay. We both know with that look she gave me that she feels terrible, but she's doing it and I'm not going to. Yeah. I'm not going to coddle. I'm not Mm going to coddle and be like, Oh gosh, baby. You should sit down. You, yeah. I, are you really feeling good or do you, are you yeah. sick and you know let yeah. them do their thing and find their strength but also don't ever play into a like there's something wrong with you mm-hmm. i never played into yeah. that like oh you need to lay down and whatever mm-hmm. you know yeah you let me be me and you were there when i needed you okay number 3 were there any extra tasks that you had to take on yeah i mean there were times you know <laughs> growing up with a mom that helped take care of me a lot and then kind of being a single guy for a little bit. I wasn't the best at home chores and things that you took on your own. So when it did start to hit you pretty hard, you know, I we started splitting up stuff that just worked around the house. Anything that involved needing to stand for chores, I just took over because like dishes, vacuuming. vacuuming, cleaning up just stuff, moving around the house, getting up and down those stairs or whatever it was, you know. And that's when I took on laundry because I could, our closet was right next to the laundry room. So I could literally, while sitting the entire time, grab the laundry and do laundry on the floor. So with pots, I couldn't stand for very long. So I could do laundry and by doing laundry, I felt quote normal. I felt like I was contributing. Sure. Or even like you would go to the grocery store and I would help put the groceries away. Yeah. And if I ran out of gas, if I ran out of steam and I had to sit down, you didn't give me any crap about that. You just picked up where I left off and we just kind of did that. It's just been like this dance that we've kind of figured out. Mm -hmm. Next question. Number four is, did I feel shame from being sick? I think that this was a big one. And this is something that will still creep in every now and again. And it was that guilt and that shame that this is the most incredible person that I've ever met in my life. And when I had chronic illness, you know, it was a life that I would never choose for myself. And I did not want him to experience that with me. I I felt really bad that I was roping him into this nightmare But I had to remind myself that he made that choice in the beginning. And I wasn't going to put that on you. Like, are you just, are you so resentful that you have to deal with this? Are you regretful that you married me? Are you, you know, I didn't put those insecurities on him all the time. I think it's also important that you're not treating them like they've done something that they haven't. Right. Don't ever make them feel like you're upset with them because you are dealing with your own demons, you know, don't ever put it on them that you don't assume. I would never assumed that you regretted marrying me right. just because I was insecure about that. Totally. So yeah. that, that was something that I had to be mindful of. And that's why we, we want to clarify that I didn't live in a victim mentality, but there were those moments where I needed to have that conversation of, Hey, I'm just being swarmed mentally with the demons, with the 
insecurities of you regretting marrying me and I feel bad and that you're, and I I had to communicate that. And sure enough, he was like, no, what are you talking about? What brought that up? Well, you know, yesterday we got all dressed to go out to this and I couldn't last minute because I didn't feel good and I feel so bad. And, you know, you were so great. You would say things like, no, I didn't care about that. We we ended up watching a movie and hanging out and I didn't really want to see those people anyway. No offense to those people, but <laughs> but yeah. yeah, it was it's so important to communicate because your mind can become incredibly imaginative and you can amp yourself up and all of that doubt and shame and guilt can overwhelm you when that's not actually the reality. So yeah, you can create these scenarios that aren't actually happening. Right. That, or they don't even feel those feelings that you think think they must be because of the situation that you're both in. Right. And I have experienced in my past traumas surrounding shame and guilt and feeling like a burden. So I definitely dove into healing those traumas and that helped a ton to also remember that he did vow to me through sickness and health that he made those promises when I would feel insecure, I'd first tap into the last time we had the conversation of, Hey, I felt really bad. And I remember to myself, I remind myself, what did he say? What was his answer? He loves being with me no matter what. So I had to, instead of bringing that conversation up again and again, first, I tried to soothe my own nervous system, address the trauma, remember what you said the last time. And if it was just still burdening me, then I would bring it up. But I think that communication can knock all of that out just by, you know, having that conversation. Yeah. Number five, did you ever feel resentment or regret for choosing this life? Never regret. There was some resentment early on when we weren't able to go on some vacations and There were times, you know, before kids and we were wanting to go out and go do something or friends were having a party or the fights were on at somebody's house or whatever. And it was planned in advance. And then come Friday, Saturday night, whatever it was that you weren't able to go, you weren't feeling it anymore. And it was a bummer because, you know, as my new wife, I wanted you to be with me, but you were still super cool about all of it. And I'd either stay home and hang out if I really didn't care about what was going on. Or if I really wanted to be there for something, you'd just say, you know, I'm not feeling well anyway. I'm going to be home and I feel like just laying down or doing whatever. You just go. And there wasn't ever a guilt or anything that you were putting on me for still doing my own thing. So, I think that's very important that if there are times when your spouse is having issues and they want to be left alone, the spouse that's going through all that stuff, don't put a guilt trip on the other person of like, oh, well, you feel fine. You can do whatever you want. And and there was that in the beginning. You're like, okay, if I leave, are you sure you're not going to be mad at me later? Is- yeah. Yeah. We had to really discuss that. And well, I also felt like I was being inconsiderate in a way, but it was like, like we talked about, you're helpless in being able to take anything from you. And if it's something to where you know kind of what the night was going to have in store for you, if I was gone or I was there, you were going to be having the same right. issue one way or the other. So, it wasn't like I wanted you yeah, you weren't like a misery loves company type mm-hmm. thing and like, oh, sit outside the bathroom and hold my hand and whatever. I mean, if somebody needs that, do it. And if I needed that, I would have 
asked you and you would have been there. Totally. I, I know that. But I think that's when we realized that we not only got hit hard with the love at first sight, but we were a happy place for one another. So I think that it was important in that moment that we learned that lesson of my happiness doesn't completely come from you. Right. And I can people. still go do stuff on my own. Yeah. If you wanted to do something away from me, if I wanted to do something away from you, yeah, I want you there. I want to experience it with my favorite person, but there can be times where you do stuff separate and it's important that you do that. So Brian has always had hobbies. I, it was really important to me that I encouraged him to go do them. I think that was a big game changer for us was for you to be able to golf and to go out and see your friends. And again, the communication, communicating, am I you know, are yeah. you cool with me going out again this weekend? Or do you want me to stay home? We can watch a movie. We can, you know, so yeah. I think again, it's the communication is huge. How to communicate all of the doctor information. So I reached out to the person who asked this and to kind of expand. And it's, you know, that struggle of as the person that is experiencing chronic illness, you go to all of these doctor appointments and you hear all of this stuff and this advice and and maybe that you're fine and it's back to stage one where you're you're looking for answers again. And it's it's just so much information. And, and how do you communicate all of that information to your spouse without overwhelming them? Or So I can't speak for everyone, but for me personally, I shared with you information that I felt was important. Yeah. But I didn't share everything. I mean, I just omitted things that were just fluff. And I told you it was important. I don't think you necessarily wanted to know what my labs said or or all of that. Yeah. And maybe everybody's different. Mm. If you have a super analytical spouse and they want to get into all of that right. stuff. If, if you sure. were chronically ill, I would be there. I would want to know everything that they said. I would want to know all the tests. I would right. want to see all of your labs, like print them out, give them to me. But I don't know if I even asked you, do you want to see this or, you know. We would talk about it as far as like progress and different things when stuff would start looking better or worse. I think I just catered it to what you like. Like you like to get to the point. Are we in this? Like, do you have MS? Like, what what is the healing protocol? Like, what are we going to do about this? Yeah. Like, you didn't need to know what this lab said or what does that mean? Right. So, I think that it's important that you ask your spouse what like, they want to hear. Yeah. And yeah, because you could be leading towards like paralysis by analysis for some people that you hit them with too much information and maybe they kind of shell up because it sounds so daunting or maybe they rise to the occasion. You, again, like you're saying, just communication. You really have to just have those discussions of what do you what do you want to hear? Mm -hmm. do, you, do you want this information or do you not? And then our last question how do you deal with in-laws not on board with holistic healing? So I am very, very blessed to have in-laws that are incredibly supportive. And I'm not just saying that because they're probably going to hear this. <laughs> but truly, if, if I shared with them a diagnosis and I told them that I found this awesome natural protocol to help my body overcome that... My mother-in-law went on her own and researched stuff and was like, hey, Monique, look what I found and and I'm going to try it with you. And I just tried that celery juice and, you know, they were very, very supportive. However, I have experienced close family members, 
friends that weren't on board with holistic healing and are still not really on board. So I get that. And I would just advise you do you. You are the one in this journey. You are the one fighting for your life. You are the one trying to heal. So instead of worrying about everyone else, focus on you and and your journey. And I can't speak for the people in your life that aren't supportive, but I know for me, those who weren't very supportive, they came from a loving place. They come from a loving place. They they love me and they just want the best for me and they only know what they know. I can't even imagine watching a loved one going through this and and them trying this different protocol that I have no idea what that is. And I don't believe it's going to help. It would terrify me like, Hey, let's just stick to what we know and let's, you know, try it that way. So know that they're coming from a place of love. What really helped also was to really focus on my priorities. I really focused on first my faith and then Brian's support and then my children and then extended family and friends. That was all just bonus. I didn't expect their support. So if they were supportive, it was icing on the cake and that really helped. And then also, if you have a strong need to have their approval, then I would absolutely address trauma that might be triggering that desire to please people. Even to the point where you are anxious and nervous and I'm just going to eat this junk because it makes them more comfortable. That is definitely a sign that there is trauma coming up and causing that people pleasing. So I would definitely address that. So we put together our top tools that really helped us and continue to help us navigate trials. The first one, we kind of talked about how the one having experiencing chronic illness can feel insecure. And we discussed that it's important to communicate that. However, Brian pointed out that it is what overwhelming if that's constantly a conversation of, yeah. are you going to leave me? I don't know. This is, this is a really cruddy life. Yeah. You want out. I'm sure you want out. You know, all of that stuff. And to kind of balance that out, something that's really helpful is having a conversation and identifying maybe three to five reoccurring fears or insecurities that seem to always come up. Kind of like if you have done the, the love languages where you identify your love language and then you can tell your spouse, this is my love language. And these are maybe three or five things that you could do to really fill up my love tank, that kind of thing. So you can do this with your insecurities. So for example, I could tell Brian, you know, sometimes I I feel like a burden or I'm insecure about the limitations that I have. I'm afraid that you want to leave me or, you know, I, I would get really, really, really skinny when I would get really sick. So my body I was insecure about my body and I just, I let him know these are the thoughts that will circle my mind, creep in and circle my mind. So I let him know. And then from there, you just kind of took off in supporting me. I know that something that was huge was the compliments that you would give me just randomly. And it was, it has to be from an authentic place because you can tell when you're like, all right, I I don't know about that. Like it has to be authentic, but verbal reassurance. So for example, if we say we're going to plan a date night and it comes down to an hour before, and I'm really trying to fight this and to just act like it's fine and just do it. But I really don't feel good. I feel really bad. You were so awesome at like, no, 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 no. Let's just, let's, let's find something on TV and let's have a movie night. We can color, we can build a fort. Like, 
you know, all I want to do is be with you. And, and so that reassurance, like I didn't have to really say anything. He, you just kind of said all the things that really helped me feel secure in that or things like at the end of the day, when I had a rough day and you knew I was having a rough day and you could tell I was trying really hard, you would, you would compliment me in that. And it's going to be different for everyone. So it's really important that you have that conversation and you just, you know, cause I know with you, you're just like, I- I'm here for you, but tell me what you need me to do. Yeah. So sometimes it's easier to tell them these are my insecurities. This would be an amazing way to be there for me. And I think that, I don't know, is that a way that you felt helpful? Yeah, it was a way for me to celebrate small victories and things like that, that if you were able to get one task done that day that maybe a week ago you weren't able to do, it was like celebrate those things Mm -hmm. and just make sure that you were helping in whatever fashion you could give compliments on even things that you may think were minor meant a lot to you to address it and bring it up no no victory is too small in those those times right and and just by doing that i felt like we were a team fighting this together and that you were proud of my fight and that you appreciated that i was working really hard yeah and so the next tool is communication which we've touched on a lot i mean a lot of this the shame and the guilt and the resentment can all be squashed by communicating. So communication is key. Next one, I, we really recommend that you allow the bad days. Dealing with chronic illness, literally every single day, it was a fight to choose positivity. I would wake up and I had a choice. Am I going to embrace the darkness or am I going to fight for this and make this the best day possible? And sometimes I wanted to dwell in the darkness. Yeah. And that was fine. And, you know, sometimes you wanted to go talk to your dad and vent that or go play golf or whatever. So I think that it's important to allow the bad days. You know, you're a human being and you have to pace yourself (laughs) when you you don't know when this is going to end or if it's going to end. You have to pace yourself and you have to allow yourself to release that anger in a healthy way, of course. I think another tool that was really helpful for us is to figure out how to make the most out of each situation. So flirt and have fun despite your circumstances. So for us, we loved board games and building forts and coloring. Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, even if it was riding bikes, when I could ride my bike, you know, there was, it ebbed and flowed. So when I could ride my bike, we went for bike rides or we had a picnic outside or whatever you can do, do something together. Yeah. Like I I had so many food allergies that I couldn't eat very much. So we didn't go to restaurants, but we made stuff at home and that was fun. Or I'd make stuff for me and you you kind of (laughs) put your own own stuff stuff. together. And, you know, even in the beginning, I had really strong social anxiety. So we just had dates at home instead. Yeah. That was just as fun. And then our last tool that really helped, which we've touched on, I think a lot is just trying to have that victor mentality versus that victim mentality. Absolutely. It's very important because if you are carrying that negativity all the time, it's already such a drain to watch you fight through all of it. If you were then also incredibly negative and just bringing a bad vibe into all of it as well, it just sucked whatever energy was left out. 
and for both of us. Yeah, and you definitely were able to have those days like we talked about, but it just was something that you can't carry that day in day out and continue to dwell in the the negative space. And I think you you had once said that looking back at our experience with chronic illness, it wasn't so bad because you knew that I was fighting for yeah. answers. You knew that I wasn't just all right, this is my life. Let's right. just I'm miserable do everything for me that, well, I can't do that because I have lupus. It wasn't that it was, you knew that I was showing up as much as you were showing up. And it was that team mentality. Totally. When I was experiencing chronic illness, a fire was lit inside of me and I wholeheartedly believed that healing was possible. There was no way that I was going to give up and accept that this was my life forever. I was committed to finding the joy in the midst of madness committed to giving it my all, committed to trying, even when PTSD terrified me to my core. Brian was committed to supporting me, selfless and unconditional love, meeting me where I was, showing me through his actions that I wasn't chronic illness. I was still Monique, that he would stand by me through sickness and in health with a love so unwavering that I could trust that he wouldn't leave if I had moments when I couldn't give 100%. Together, we knew that we were navigating a storm, one that was really freaking rough sometimes. We knew that we were in this together, that it was in the trenches when we would find a new depth of commitment and intimacy on a level that some couples don't have the opportunity to grow through, that no matter how rough it got, we were on the same team, that one day the storm would calm and all of our hard work would pay off. Now we appreciate our health so much more. The smallest experiences are so much richer because we know what it was like to not have those moments. Something as simple as taking family walks or slow dancing in the kitchen, taking our kids trick-or-treating, me getting carried away with chores without Brian having to worry if I passed out somewhere or would be out of it for the rest of the week. We know how rough it can get. We're not here to pretend like it was all rainbows and butterflies because it wasn't. We're here to let you know that you're not alone in this journey. We're here to remind you that you married your best friend, the one person in this whole world that you committed to spending the rest of your life with because they got you like nobody else did. Don't allow this trial to rock your foundation. You are not at war with one another. You are a rock-solid team at war with the trial. Grow through it. Communicate. Connect. Lock hands and ride those waves. You've got this. 